0: In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: Oh, what are they lying about now? Ah, yes, Donald Trump in Michigan in 2020, he dared call up an election official and say, I think your election's wrong. I think your election's uh, corrupt. In Detroit, Michigan, I would, uh, <laughs> uh, you, uh m- m- most definitely. Have you been in Michigan lately? Have you seen the situation? Something like four of the last five mayors have gone off to jail. Um, but I'll get to that thing in a moment. First, there's also the outrage. And look, it's every now and then, it, you got to check in with what the fakers are doing. Um, and remember what, when Donald Trump says things that he says, he's the key to it is, He's basically always right. If you kind of approach it like that, like, listen to this. Listen, This is the latest thing they're all losing their minds over, and it's totally fine. This is the thing about the blood and the poison, right? The blood and the poison at the rally. And they say, well, Donald, uh, Hitler, you talked about poison and blood. Hitler talked about summer and winter as well, right? It's, <laughs> go ahead.
2: country, when they do that, we got a lot of work to do. They're poisoning the blood of our country. That's what they've done. they poison mental institutions and prisons all over the world, not just in South America, not just the three or four countries that we think about, but all over the world they're coming into our country from Africa, from Asia, all over the world they're pouring into our country. Nobody's even looking at them. They just come in. Uh, the crime is going to be tremendous. The terrorism is going to be. Terrorism is going to be. And then we built a tremendous piece of the wall, and then we country.
1: All right, so that's what they're all upset about, poisoning uh, the blood of our country, and somehow he's trying, they're trying to say it's racist or something like that. Uh, countries have, uh, you know, red, white, and blue. Uh, his his blood bleeds red, white, and blue, the lifeblood of a country. It's This is symbolic, obviously. This is, is not, and the corrupt, I don't understand, like, the we don't have, it's not like we have a uniform race here or anything like that, too corrupt. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense what they're saying about him and too corrupt, like in that whole kind of weirdo purity Nazi way of looking at the world. That's not what he was talking about. And here's JD Vance, great United States senator. He's a freshman, right from Ohio. He's been they bother him about this, you know, all day long. Reporters try to uh, ask public officials, "Hey, what do you think about Donald Trump said? Do you condemn his remarks?" And at one point, he just had it, and he really, really kind of smacks this reporter around. Go ahead with that, please. And so, so what do you
3: have to say to um, the former president's comments over the
4: weekend about immigrants and saying that they're
5: poisoning the blood of America? Well, look, I've been asked this question a number of times, and here's here here's my view on these comments. First of all, he didn't say immigrants were poisoning the blood of this country. He said illegal immigrants were poisoning the blood of the country, which is objectively and obviously true to anybody who looks at the statistics about fentanyl overdoses. And I I think just one, one observation about the press as an organization, you guys seem far more upset about the guy who criticized the problem than you did about Joe Biden, who's causing this problem. just
3: go back to his comments, though, sure. and sort of using language that we heard you know, during World War II? I'm sure you're a student of history. You're well aware what that kind of language represents in, in historical context. What
5: organization do you represent? I work at the Associated Press. The idea that I am well aware, you just framed your question implicitly assuming that Donald Trump is talking about Adolf Hitler. It's absurd. It is absurd. Why do you think that Donald Trump's language is targeted at the blood of the immigrants and not at the blood of the American citizens who are being poisoned by the fentanyl problem? You think he was referring I think to this fentanyl? is ridiculous. If you watch the speech in context and you look at what's going on, it is obvious that he was talking about the, the very clear fact that the blood of Americans is being po- poisoned by a drug epidemic. The, to, to, see, to take that comment and then to immediately assume that he's talking about immigrants as Adolf Hitler talked about Jews is preposterous. You guys need to wake up and actually yeah. do some journalism. He use a you're, a you're, you're, language you're then, because no, no, no. that is Here's, the, here's, 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 yeah, here's yeah. the problem with that mm-hmm. question and that framing. You mm-hmm. are allegedly a journalist. You're supposed to hold, speak truth to power. And yet, you're trying to circumscribe and narrow the limits of debate on immigration in this country. What you're doing is not speaking truth to power. You're trying to police the guy who's criticizing the problem so that Americans don't pay attention to the guy who caused the problem. It's an absurd question. It's an absurd framing.
1: Yeah. Coming from the Associated Press, I do think there are a couple of ways to look at that, uh, that blood of the nation thing. Just the blood. A nation has values. It has nothing to do with race, the nation, you know, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, that the citizenship oath you have to take. That uh, people talk about the blood of the country, the lifeblood of the country. I think lifeblood might be uh, taxes, but I've heard Joe Biden make similar references. Um, it's in our blood as Americans to do such and such. Doesn't mean that we look a certain way or nothing like that. It, it's, it's all about our common values, our, uh, just our, our traditions, our culture doesn't mean we have to agree on everything, but there are certain things that are supposed to bind us and bring us together. And that was really interesting. I don't think actually it's the the job of journalists to speak truth to power. I don't like that phrase, truth to power. Why? I mean, what about a reporter just going out there, okay, this happened, just reporting on what happened. But he was right, Senator Vance, very, very much so. You're trying to police. It's a far cry. A lot of journalists will say that. Our job is to speak truth to power. But in, in, right now, they're defending the powerful and going after those who are criticizing the powerful. Like Donald Trump, who's no longer a president. He's a, uh, he's a private citizen and those who support him. He, you should have used, you should have condemned that language. You should have, wasn't it like just drawing these absurd lines? Well, good for, uh, good for him. I like him. Keep your eye on J.D. Vance. Possibly, possibly a uh, vice presidential, uh, pick for, for Donald Trump. The other thing, they don't actually have the audio, but they're hyperventilating on, hyperventilating on CNN right now about some phone call Trump made to Michigan in 2020. Can I hear that, please? Aaron Burnett, noted liar, host of the 7 p.m. show, out front with Aaron Burnett. Total liar. You got to remember that about Aaron Burnett. Go.
4: A significant report uh, just crossing tonight, that I want to share with you, just coming out, saying that then President Trump is actually recorded on tape. And he has recorded on tape pressuring two Republican members of the Wayne County canvassers, uh, most Populous County in in Michigan, not to certify the 2020 presidential election. Now, this is a phone call. According to a phone call on November 17th, 2020, Trump is on the phone call, right? So Trump's on the phone call with with, with just people certifying an election in a state. And he's telling the two Republicans that they'd look, quote, terrible if they sign the certification, adding, quote, we've got to fight for our country. We can't let these people take our country away from us later saying you take care of lawyers for them. According to this report, which is just breaking, the chairwoman of the Republican National Committee, Ronna McDaniel, was also on the call and then told the two canvassers, quote, if you can go home tonight, do not sign it. We will get you attorneys. And that's when Trump replied, quote, we'll take care of that. Craig Magher, who broke this story, uh, is for the Detroit Noise News, joins me on the phone. Craig, I just had a chance here to to read this uh, as as you... uh, as this is crossing, you're breaking news. I just want to emphasize here, this is, uh, at best time, the president of the United States, on tape, recorded for four minutes of a longer exchange, uh, talking, pressuring these individuals. You've heard much of this tape. Can you no. tell us Get to what tape. you hear Trump say?
0: What I heard listening to the audio of this conversation was the then president of the United States, Encouraging, pressuring, contending, arguing in favor of these two Republican county canvassers not signing the certification of the 2020 election. All right, guess what?
1: You're allowed to do that. It's called politics. It's called politics. And Donald Trump uh, believed that Michigan, believed that there was cheating that had happened in Michigan. If you believe that they were cheating, and they'll never be able to prove that he did not believe that, and maybe, just maybe, one day, will be allowed, they just might be able to prove that there was cheating. Hey, relax, everybody. Don't call the FBI. seems it's, it's ridiculous. i got to say this every time I hint that the election may not have been totally legitimate. But I understand that President Biden is president, okay? I can still want to know that, hey, I'll go back to 1960. It's funny. I can go back to 1960 and say, hmm, maybe Richard Nixon got more votes than JFK. And no one has a problem with that. But if I go back to 2020 and say, hmm, maybe Donald Trump got more votes than Joe Biden, they'll be protesting outside before you know it. They'll be calling the FBI and FCC, and you get all kinds of, ooh, 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 don't go there. Why the hell not? I understand. Just like JFK, he was the one inaugurated on January 20th, 1961, and so was uh, George W. Bush. Hey, I could could actually... uh, how many votes were cast in the, in Florida? Fifteen million, and and Bush won by five hundred thirty seven. Will we ever really know who actually won that election? I know this: that Lyndon Johnson lost a Senate election in nineteen forty eight. Lost, and he cheated with forty three votes. They cheated, they 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 outright cheated. They admitted it later. Lyndon Johnson would never have become president had he not been elected to the Senate then. But he became president November twentieth, nineteen sixty three. Okay. I don't go around trying to say he wasn't president. I'm not trying to go around saying that Joe Biden is not president. So we can talk about that election. We should be able to talk about it without fear of reprisal. All right, Carlotta from Rhode Island, welcome back.
2: Hi. Happy holidays.
1: Happy holidays. Merry Christmas.
2: Thank you. You too. Um, You were talking about Ron DeSantis before and his ambition. Mm -hmm. I was telling your screener that sometimes I think – it's not so much whether the candidate is ready to be president, as that the wife is ready to be first lady, and she has undue influence.
1: She has undue influence with her husband. Yes. Well, what do you mean by undue? I mean, uh, what does that mean? Undue influence. The person your 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 spouse is a lot of, allowed allowed to have a lot of influence. What do you mean by undue exactly?
2: Uh, that she she's not really uh, enlightened about his chances of being a candidate.
1: Uh, well, let me tell you something. It wasn't just her. I mean, the entire fake uh, Republican establishment was all in for Ron DeSantis. It wasn't like it was, what's her name, Casey DeSantis's sole idea. You know what I mean? I mean, it wasn't like they pushed this on anybody. The whole Republican establishment embraced the DeSantis' candidacy. Wouldn't you agree?
2: Yes. But I still say I'm not talking about her in particular. I'm just saying, in, certain, in it could be a lot of times the wife may even know that maybe he's not quite ready. Maybe he is a bit too young. Maybe we should wait a while. But it's her desire to be first lady that uh, overrides her good judgment. Uh,
1: I don't know. I mean, I think it's more about wanting your husband to be president than being first lady. I don't know. I've seen her. She is uh, an interesting cat. I can't figure her out. She. I finally heard her talk, and she sounds a lot more serious than I thought she would sound. Uh, some people say that she is the brains behind the operation. The operation is not going very well. I think she's a bit too rigid. and uh, But then again, I never met the lady, um, and I'm sure she's nice, but, but who knows. All right, Carlotta, everything else good up there in Rhode Island? You ever see that Sheldon Whitehouse uh, senator, that horrible, miserable, racist guy at that beach club?
2: I have something else to say.
1: Excuse me, Carlotta. I don't like it when you just blow me off. Do you know Sheldon Whitehouse and his horrible, racist, uh, whites-only beach club?
2: No, I do not. All right. Really... Well,
1: thank you for answering the question. Now you can say something.
2: Thank you. Okay. I belong to a different beach club. Uh, anyway, uh, I do. You, what you said about uh, the whites thinking it, her husband is ready, do you agree that Bill, Joe Biden didn't want to be first lady more than her husband, knowing that her husband was ready to be president? Wait,
1: what? What?
2: What? Does that hold true for Jill Biden? Do you think she really thinks that her husband is ready to be president what, again?
1: I, uh, I uh, Jill Biden is a very bad person, I think, and she's not a doctor. Who knows what's going on there? They're desperately clinging to power because it protects them. So, uh, I don't know, you make it sound like there's something we can do about it. You know, like, what are we going to do about the First Ladies? It's up to them, right? I mean, you can't you, you can't get involved in the couple. You can't get involved in their pillow talk, right?
2: Well, it's just sad for us that, that so much hinges on personal power. All right,
1: I would just say this. You know, it wasn't up to Jill Biden. It wasn't up to Casey DeSantis, all right? These guys themselves are... You know, some of them were born this way. You know, from four years old, they want to be president of the United States and they're going to find a woman who will help make that happen and, uh, may have happened in both of these cases. I don't know. Thank you very much, Carlotta, and I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Wow, 35 years ago yesterday, the um, Pan Am Flight 103 blew up over Lockerbie, Scotland. Remember that one? I Had a lot of uh, people from our area on the flight. It was going from London to New York to JFK, blew up over Scotland, terrorists uh, uh, blew it up, and a lot of the people on board were from Syracuse University, I think part of an exchange program. Uh, that was a real shock. Uh, everybody on board obviously lost, I think, 200 and, is it 200 and, 243 passengers, 16 crew members killed. Um, 198 were American citizens and, uh, just awful. My goodness gracious. Now, the guy who did it, they just grabbed him. We retaliated for this, by the way, didn't we? Didn't we bomb Libya? There was a Libya connection here. There was a Libyan connection. And I think we launched an attack. Uh, Ronald Reagan was still in office; he only had a few weeks left in office. Um, and just recently, within the past two years, a guy was arrested in Libya who we think was um, involved in this. You know, they they put a uh, a bomb on board and in somebody's luggage. But the luggage was actually not attached to anybody. And then they had this new regulation that every piece of luggage had to be carried by somebody on that flight. It had to be connected to somebody on the flight, thinking that nobody's going to blow themselves up. But this is before the era or before the uh, the, uh, the the recognition of the, the suicide bomber. They've always had suicide bombers, but uh, they really took off in the 90s and, uh, of course, the early aughts. Well, that's a somber, somber um anniversary you remember that big piece of the 747 and you could see the cockpit and everything like that of course i'm wondering did these guys uh gosh i hope they died instantaneously but probably not probably not you know i saw that big documentary about the challenger the space shuttle challenger when that thing exploded they figured out that the crew they were alive all the way down until impact until the thing hit the water the whole kind of front compartment was intact, blew away from the shuttle, and it took like two or three minutes for that thing to ultimately hit the water. And the bodies were recovered, and uh, they believe that they were alive all the way down. That is a tough, tough, tough way to go. Um, it's the it's the Friday before Christmas, right? Want to hear my friend get a job? Convince the guy that he's the, he's the man for the job. Uh, let's go with Kramer versus Kramer. This is Dustin Hoffman. He just got fired. He needs a job, and if he doesn't get one, he's going to lose custody of his kids. So he goes to the employment agency, and he means, oh, shoot, there's the music. Right when we come back, and you too, Mike, Adam, Barbara, and the rest, I'll be right back. And if you can, Kramer versus Kramer. It actually works. It's actually a great Christmas movie. Here we are, the Friday before Christmas. What a chillax day. I hope you're having a good one.
5: Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
1: All right. This is one of my favorite moments, actually, in cinematic history. Dustin Hoffman is playing Kramer. Mr. Kramer. What's his first name? I can't remember. Mr. Kramer. Ted. Ted Kramer. And uh, you know what happened. Meryl Streep got all stuck up and just walked out on him and left him with that uh, beautiful little boy. And, uh, Ted Kramer didn't know the first thing about making breakfast or anything like that, but, uh, he ultimately got the hang of it. And then Meryl Streep shows up again and says, I want my kid. And, uh, they have a custody battle. So they're about to go to court and, uh, Ted loses his job because, uh, well, he's been spending too much time on the household duties. And back then it wasn't like accepted. It was like, you know, hey, you're the man. You got to be here. You can't, you can't duck out of work to take care of, uh, you know, your kid's uh, parent-teacher conference. That that doesn't fly in 1981. I think that was, yeah, 81, 80. No, sorry, 79. This movie is old. So he gets fired, and then the lawyer tells him, look, if you don't get a job, we don't have a chance. And he's like, I'll get a job in 24 hours. How the hell are you going to do that? It's the Friday before Christmas, and he's going to get a job in 24 hours. Now, here he is. He shows up at the employment agency. You ready for this? And the guy, you can't see it, but, the guy who is the clerk, his name is Nick Horman, and he's doing a great job, and he's making all kinds of faces and like, oh, give it up, pal. You're... No, you can't get a job today. Go ahead and hit it, please.
0: you realize this is the worst time of year to look for work, it's the holiday season. Now, I'm sure we'll have something for you by mid-February, March at the latest. I can't wait. I have to have a job today. Mr. Kramer, it's December 22nd. I know it is. If you could just look in your card catalog. Uh... I'll take anything There might be something at Norman, Craig and Cummel But I don't know What is it? Uh, Something in the art department Fine You have to go back on the board It's all right It's really a step down Cut in salary of almost five thousand per year. I'm sure you'd be much happier if you waited until after the first. Okay, do me a favor. Call up Norman Craig and come on. Make an appointment for me today at four o'clock. It's the Friday before Christmas. Yeah, I know that, but it's still a work day. Please.
1: Nobody's gonna want to
0: okay. You call him up or I call him up. If I call him up, you don't get a commission.
5: Right? My, we are a hot shot, aren't we? Yes
1: we are. <laughs> yes we are, he said. Yes we are. He's so determined. Ted Kramer is going to make it happen. The actor, I actually met him many years later. uh Nicholas Horman is the uh, agency uh clerk there who's giving him a hard time. It's the Friday before Christmas. There could be something at Norman, Greg, and Kamal, but I don't know. Something in the art department. You have to go back on the boards. I'm sure you'd be much happier if you wait until after the first. Anyway, just a great, great, great scene. Then I got the next scene. He shows up. It's They're having a Christmas party. He barges into the Christmas party. He's like, and he—they uh, love the first guy is looking at his uh, portfolio there because he's an ad man. Oh, I love this stuff. You're very talented. We'll get back to you in two weeks. It's like no, 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 no. Let me talk to the your, let me talk to your boss. So they bring his boss in, and then we take it from there. Go ahead, please. Oh, we don't have that second one. Thought I sent it. Oh well. Anyway, he uh, basically he shows him the portfolio and he goes, "We'll let you know after the holidays." We'd like some time to think about it. No, gentlemen, this is a one-day offer. You saw my portfolio. You know I can handle the work. I'm willing to take a pay cut. The only thing is you have to let me know right now, not after the holidays, uh, not after the first of the year. If you really want me, you let me know right now. And they look at each other and like, uh, Mr. Kramer, can we have a minute? Sure. And then they, he leaves, and he's very lonely. Everyone's partying, and everyone's having a great time, and he's sitting there like just waiting to see – the fate of his life, what's going to happen. And they say, they, a couple of minutes later, they call him in, Mr. Kramer. And he walks into the office and the guy says to him, you got yourself a job. Congratulations. And he shakes hand. He's like, really? Wow, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, then he walks out. He's so happy. And that Christmas party is raging. And what does he do? He walks up to some hot woman he's never met before and kisses her right on the lips. Big old kiss. So he goes from getting a great big new job and he made it happen to committing a fireable offense, <laughs> maybe even a, an arrestable offense, uh, 20 seconds later. But it was back in the 80s, 70s. You could do stuff like that, I guess. Maybe. Probably not. Shouldn't have. Um, I'm told that, what's his name, uh, Dustin Hoffman actually ad-libbed that. <laughs> he thought it would be good. And when you're the movie star, you can do stuff like that. Anyway, great scene, great movie, and there's something about that, just uh, determination, not taking no for an answer, and you can see it in that film. Uh, Barbara is standing by. You did something special last night?
3: Oh, I did. I was on the National Faith Advisory uh, Board's uh, prayer call with President Trump, and that was wonderful. He came on. And he shared his thoughts about Christmas and the importance of Christmas. He shared his thoughts about America not existing were it not for God's blessings. And he talked a little bit about Israel and about the problems in Israel. And his comment was that needs to be fixed. We will fix that. So he prayed and touched our hearts. Two rabbis prayed, one from Israel who said that Hamas Hamas attacked because America is weak, and they wanted to know if they wanted to test our limits. What we would do? It was a wonderful prayer call, and that came out of President Trump's work during his administration for religious freedom, with his White House Faith and Opportunity Initiative. Oh. So when I hear when I hear you you played before, what's your name? <laughs> um, it, talking about God and, and morals and so forth, Nikki Haley. Did not ring true. Did not at all. She put that mask on for the ad. Mm. Donald Trump is proven to support Christianity, to support religious freedom, and to support all Americans' rights to participate in our government regardless of your religious beliefs.
1: I love it, Barbara. And guess what? Guess what? Donald Trump just scored a major legal victory. The Supreme Court rejects the appeal from the special counsel to expedite the Trump immunity case. Now, that might be a a wordful or a mouthful, but this is a big, big deal. So Trump is arguing uh, before the judge that he should be immune from most of this stuff because under presidential authority and executive power, he was entitled to do what he did. Uh, The judge said, I don't agree, so he appealed that to the appeals court. The appeals court was working on it, looking into it, and Jack Smith says – I'm going to take this right to the Supreme Court. I'm going to skip the appeals court because I want this to happen on March 4th. We want to take him to trial before the election. He asked for the Supreme Court to get involved. The Supreme Court just announced that they are not taking the case. So that means that the appeals court, it goes back to the appeals court, and it will probably take a while. It could take many, many months. It's probably not going to hit trial if it ever hits trial until after the election. This is a major setback for that weirdo Jack Smith and everybody in the fake news, everybody who was so anxious to have a trial, a January 6th trial. You know, the more I think about January 6th, I'm i I'm pretty anxious to have a January 6th trial myself. Man, I don't know if you saw what I did with that Liz Cheney book, but my God, she really, really um, incriminates herself. So this is a big deal. Uh, all the networks have it right now, breaking SCOTUS. Supreme Court of the United States ordered denying special counsel's request to immediately settle Trump immunity claim. All right. I hope that makes sense to everybody. He was appealing something. It went to the appeals court, one level up. That's where it was supposed to be decided, and it will be decided, that aggressive, uh, unscrupulous zealot, uh, Jack Smith, Jumped ahead to the Supreme Court, said, no, I want you guys to take it right now. And they said no. Back to the appeals court. Barbara, I don't think you're a lawyer, but you know about this stuff pretty uh, pretty intimately. What do you think?
3: Well, I think it's just wonderful. And I think that our Supreme Court does come through for us now and then the way they should. And I just read an article in the Independent Sentinel by Chris Ann Hall, the constitutional attorney, talking about a similar thing with what happened in Colorado. And she, like you, she's very good at explaining things, making complex things simple. And she makes it simple and lays out the case why the Colorado Supreme Court was totally wrong And what she thinks that the Supreme Court uh, uh, will do, and she thinks that they will grant the stay that the president has asked for. Therefore, he will not be kept off the ballot and they will hear the case if they hear it at all at some point after the election, in which case it is moot. But she thinks that they may hear it anyway just to dissuade anyone else from doing such a stupid thing.
1: Well, uh, yeah, go ahead.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. I have to say you you just you're you're um, following the instructions of Benjamin Franklin when you're when you're analyzing Liz Cheney and and people like that who are putting out these books and these ridiculous statements because Ben Franklin knew that the um, media could be totally destructive of our liberties. And he said one of the best ways is to analyze them point out their hypocrisy, point out where they are coming from and what motivates them. And that's exactly what you do. And that's wonderful.
5: Oh, well,
1: thank you so much. You know, this book really kind of creeped me out. And it's amazing. The book is uh, the number one bestseller in the country, in the country. And she gets to go on all the shows promoting it. But they don't bank on people actually reading the book. So I told you, I'm actually mentioned in this book. Carrie Lake is mentioned in this book. I texted Carrie Lake. I said, Carrie Lake, Carrie, you're in. (laughs) She calls me right away. What book? What are you talking about? And She didn't even know. A whole chapter is about her, a, a book by the daughter of the vice president, Liz Cheney, presidential hopeful, and she doesn't know. So people don't actually read the book. And when I read it and when I saw what was actually in there and what she owns up to, she doesn't realize she's incriminating herself. But that stunt, that farce she pulled with the secretaries of defense, getting them to sign that offensive, vulgar letter telling President Trump that his options were over and done. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. And they have no business. They were actually doing what they were accusing President Trump of doing, falsely accusing, using the military, getting them involved in in elections. The military in that letter says that the time for objections is over. Well, under the Constitution and under the Electoral Count Act of 1887, the time for objections hadn't even started yet. It was to start on January 6th, and I didn't want there to be a riot. You know why I didn't want there to be a riot? I wanted to hear all the objections. Instead, and this is something else, I don't think I was able to get to it uh, when I did that video. She says to Mitch McConnell at about 7 o'clock that night, any way we can get the senators to now drop their objections? And Mitch replies in a text message, that's exactly the plan. The plan. It's it's seven o'clock. How did you come up with the plan that quick? Was this the plan all along? This was the plan all along, I suspect. Anyway, Barbara, thank you very much. What are you doing for Christmas?
3: That that gives me chills, Greg. I'm I'm gonna be with family and I have the and I'll be asked to say the grace before meal. And what I'm gonna do is ask everybody to focus on the peace and the joy and the calmness of Christmas and i'm going to end with let us calm our hearts and our minds with psalm 46:10 be still and know that i am god be still and know be still amen
1: so beautiful barbara so very beautiful thank you you're such a gift we'll be right back greg kelly on the red apple podcast network Well, good for President Trump and good for us. we got to take these victories uh, where we can. we got to celebrate them. But overall, I'm feeling very, very good. It's the Friday before Christmas. Uh, All right. Some of you have been patiently waiting, and we'll start this time with Adam calling from Hempstead.
0: Hello. Yeah, I just wanted to say I heard everything you said, sir. And could you stop calling? Could you tell Barbara to stop saying President Trump and call him civilian Trump? because that's what he is civilian anyway. trump hey,
1: civ- civilian that that uh actually um actually it's customary as i believe you would probably refer to uh, Barack Obama as president obama right i mean um you can call him trump if you want barbara can call him anything anything she wants and you too by the way i may hang up on you if you get carried away but adam come on come on adam all right what else
0: um and why is you uh, making a big deal out of uh, the Wayne County in Michigan? I'm he not making a big. I'm not, I, votes.
1: I, I'm not making a big deal out of uh, the fake news is making a big deal out of it. He makes a phone call. You ever ever hang around Trump? He's like almost always on the phone. On the golf course, he's on the phone. He makes calls all day long, all the time. You know how many votes they say were cast in this election? Over 150 million. You know, they keep on saying, oh, no, widespread fraud, widespread fraud. You know how many votes it would have taken to change the whole election? 50,000 or so. 50,000 out of 175 million or 150 million. That's not a lot, Adam. What are you doing for Christmas? Uh, I got to work. You're driving the bus at the airport on, uh, on do- Christmas it's Day?
0: Double it's double pay. Oh. Double pay. Yes, I am.
1: All right. Good for you. Uh, I hope I get you as a bus driver, but I, quite frankly, never take the bus at Kennedy. I try to avoid Kennedy. It's so big, and you got to walk for two miles to uh, get out of the terminal, um, you know?
0: Close. If the air transit closed, you would have to take the shuttle bus.
1: Well, uh, I'd be happy to, but I, I don't like walking, but it just never seems to uh, work out that way. But I'll be looking for you, Adam. Thank you very much. Sonny is standing by. Hello.
0: Oh, how are you doing, Greg? Uh, yeah, that was a great story that you put on today. Uh, you, you made my day <laughs> with Kramer vs. Kramer. Um, they won several awards for that movie, and I think, uh, I think Meryl Streep did a fantastic job. Uh, it really touched me a lot because uh, at that time I was going to a similar uh, divorce case of a child snatching where I was a customs agent traveling all over, came home one day off a six-week trip, and uh and my son was gone. He was three years old. It took me a year to find him, and uh, it was very challenging. It was very stressful i so anyways, i just I started the case in New York, and you know that movie is very accurate because uh the case is done in special five, which is uh which is called matrimonial part of the uh Supreme Court. anyhow, i uh up leaving that job. It's a job it was ten openings when I first got it as a customs agent. And I want to believe them because I know I'd never get custody with a job like that traveling all over the U.S. and abroad, probably. So I got a job purposely in the courts, and I've got a job in divorce court to try to find out all the mechanisms and how you plan. I took notes all the time because I knew. They told me, the lawyers told me, you have one card of a deck of 52. Your wife has 51 cards. Huh. So I don't know how you're going to do this. But if you want to do it, you better put some heart and soul into it. And, and I did. It took me a year. And and uh, thank God I, ha- I had, I have to say this, I got with the only Republican judge in Brooklyn Supreme Court. <laughs> Maybe that helped. I don't know. But it didn't hurt. And, um, you know, when the lawyer came up to me and didn't know who I was, she says, would you call, I'm not going to say the name. She said, would you call the case not knowing? She was speaking to me. <laughs> and oh, said, you worked yeah.
1: there, and she didn't know. Wow.
0: I was in uniform, and she goes, and I and I finally told her who I was, and she goes, no. She goes, the person we're looking for, no, I, he's a customs agent.
1: I get it. I get it. So did, you won yeah, the yeah. case,
0: right? I I did win the case. How's your son yeah. these days? Well, it had a bad ending. He got into a car accident and passed away. Yeah. I know. It's... Um, it, took, it tore me up. Sorry to hear that, on man. Staten Island, yeah, on Staten Island, yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, I can't see that. I can't watch that movie anymore. I love. I, I even have the book, but I recommend um, anyone, everyone, to watch that movie. It's. I think it's his best. I think it's uh, Dustin Hoffman and Meryl Streep at their best.
1: Yeah, it's and something else. At,
0: and I'm really glad you spoke about it today. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. You made, hey, you made my Christmas, pal. <laughs> all right. Sonny, all
1: right. uh, thank you so much. Hey, stay in touch, man. Wow, what a story. And, uh, yeah, that that scene and that movie affected me as well. I mean, not like you. I didn't have those circumstances. But uh, I even got in touch with that actor, Nicholas Horman. He, he just moved me. The professionalism, the story, the beauty of it all. Thank you, Sonny, very, very much. Uh, Merry Christmas. Patrick, you've been on hold for a while as well in Indiana. Hello.
2: Hello. Um, You've touched several topics today that I'd like to...
1: Well, we only got time for not much, so uh, fire away at one of them. Sorry, Patrick.
2: One. I'll just take one then. You mentioned the votes in the last election of uh, 2020 and the cheating that might have happened. Yeah. I think the I think the cheating was really obvious that uh Mike Pence accepted votes after Election Day. Election Day is a law and it's never happened before that uh votes have been accepted after election day. And I don't believe they were really votes, I believe they were all made up by the dnc and sent out to uh, different places and well vote.
1: you're talking about the i i uh, the the votes that came in after election day no i don't know about that one. First of all mike pence wasn't accepting those votes those were local votes that were still coming in right uh i mean we've had recounts that have gone on for weeks before right we didn't know bush v gore until december but look i've got my suspicions you do too hey uh mike and Mordecai, Mike, please stay in touch. And I don't think God does care about that stuff. Uh, love you, everybody.